Hey there, containers. Yep, I stuck with containers. I did not spend our extended spring break off coming up with a new name for y'all. Sorry about that. But if you've got one, I'd love to hear it. Anyway, we're back with season two of Must Contain. We've got some great content coming every two weeks and can't wait for y'all to hear it. But before we get started, one quick reminder. MopsCon is coming. Early bird registration closes on June 17th, so head over to MopsCon.com to register today. And now, here's the show. Strategic plans are getting all thrown around. Looking for solutions that are stunning and sound. So many buzzwords keep hitting your brain. You don't know what it is, but it must contain. ABL, what does that really mean? Hi, I'm Kristen Crow, And I'm Kristen Caridio. And this is Must Contain, the podcast from Atumos where we help explain the how of marketing, although we can't always explain the why. Join us every two weeks as we break down marketing and corporate topics and discuss what they really mean. And if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to like, follow, or subscribe in all your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome back to another episode of Must Contain. So what fun buzzword are we demystifying this week, Kristen? Well, Kristen, I am glad you asked. Our buzzword this week is every marketer's favorite, I think, MQL. Do we say MQL or do we say MEQL? People who say MEQL, I'm sorry, Nate Smitha, drive me insane. It is definitely MQL. It's an acronym. It stands for three separate words. It's not a word in and of itself. It can't be MEQL. It is most definitely MQL. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So marketing qualified leads. Uh, Who put us in charge of qualifying leads? (laughs) Gosh, (laughs) nobody, I hope. But fortunately, we do have someone here who knows a thing or two about it. So joining us today is Tara Robertson, Senior Manager of Demand Generation at Chili Piper. Hello, Tara. Hi, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. I've been working in B2B marketing for about 10 years now, and currently I manage our demand gen programs at Chili Piper. At Chili Piper, we mostly sell to B2B marketers, pretty much like myself, Um, and we help B2B revenue teams qualify, route, and schedule meetings with inbound leads. So there's a lot of places we could take a conversation about MQLs, but um, I think we should start where we usually do, uh, which is defining the term. Can you define the term MQL for us? Sure. I think this is one term that has changed a lot in the last couple of years, but it really is defined differently by pretty much every company. The key point that I think we should mention is you touched on this a little bit right in your intro, but Really, it's marketing deciding what a qualified lead looks like, and it's marketing deciding what a good lead is to hand over to sales. So this can mean different things based on the org, but the main thing to know is that it's marketing saying this lead is good. So let's just come out swinging. What are some of the misconceptions in the market around MQLs, or what's something that's really put like a a bee in your bonnet or, you know, if someone peed in your Cheerios, what would that be about? Sure. So I think it's really trendy to say that things are dead right now. I see that all over LinkedIn and it makes me cringe pretty much every time. Um, I think it's pretty short-sighted to say 
that certain metrics are just completely obsolete and you shouldn't bother tracking them. I think that could be true if that's the only metric your marketing team is looking at, but that's one thing that's really kind of grating on me right now is just saying that MQLs are completely dead and lead capture is dead. Don't capture any leads. Um, yeah, that's the one thing I would say. Rumors of the MQL stuff have been greatly exaggerated, um, but with a lot of people beating that drum, because I mean, I see that marketing all over the place too. Why do you still think that life cycle stage and in particular, the marketing qualified life cycle stage is still worth uh, measuring? Yeah, I think MQLs can definitely be a leading indicator that your marketing is reaching the right people, but I wouldn't make it your North Star KPI. So a lot of B2B marketing teams just went all in on this one metric and said, we're just going to bring in thousands of what we consider good qualified leads, call them MQLs, and then pass those over to sales. So I think what's causing this whole MQL is dead movement is people went way too far with that direction and just kind of hitting their quota, moving on to the next month and trying to hit their MQL quota. But you do need to know who's coming to your site, who's raising their hand for a demo or to talk to your sales team and if those people are the right people. I think the big difference to look at is intent-based MQLs and hand raisers. So when I say hand raisers, I mean people who are actually specifically requesting a demo, requesting product walkthrough. Intent-based MQLs are those ones that are a bit fuzzier where it's marketing saying, this looks like a good lead based on certain criteria. So I would just make sure that you're differentiating between those two when you're setting your targets. So we've talked a little bit about how MQL is different for different companies and how it's kind of taken on its own beast. And therefore people are like, stop caring about it. Who cares? But you just sort of talked through why it's so important. What are some of the differentiators you can make across MQLs in order to get folks to accept them, to get sales on board with them? But what are some of the ways you've seen uh, MQLs defined by various organizations? So you just gave two examples, but what are some others that you may have seen that have worked or not worked? And what difference can the definition make with how sales and marketing work together? Yeah, so I've worked at a couple of places where pretty much every form fill was considered an MQL, basically anyone on your website who fills out a form. Obviously, that isn't great for your relationship with sales because they're the ones that have to follow up with those leads at the end of the day. Um, and obviously, that makes their job harder if they're following up with everyone, basically, with a pulse who's filled out a form on your website. Um, at another company, I had a really complex lead scoring model that we were constantly tweaking. But again, we weren't working with sales. We were in a room as a marketing team deciding what that lead scoring model should look like. So currently at my role at Chili Piper, I'm at the very other end where we only pass hand raisers over to sales. So if someone comes to our site, requests a demo, we pass them right to a sales rep. So very much on the other end of the spectrum of passing every single form fill. I think some companies are finding a happy medium somewhere in there, but it really makes a difference in our relationship with sales, giving them the right people to talk to. It's nine day. Yeah, to find that happy medium, you really have to know your content really well. We have talked a lot about funnels on the podcast. Uh, my own personal experience is that a lot of times the funnel is flatter, or at least the funnel of like known prospects is flatter than some B2B marketers think it is, or traditionally has been supported by kind of like the traditional, um, you know, demand funnel. What's your opinion on that as someone who uh, works uh, in marketing uh, and with funnel metrics all the time? 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with the way you put it, that the funnel is getting flatter. I think that for me, at least really applies to just that known funnel. So when someone's in buying mode, you can go buy software the same day now if you really want to. But if you're not in buying mode, I don't believe that getting a couple of generic nurture emails is going to automatically switch you into buying mode and kind of flip that switch for you. So I do think that that a lot of people are calling this dark funnel, but that unknown funnel of people at the very top that you don't know them yet, but they know you and they're looking at your product. They're talking to their peers, looking at reviews. So all of those activities are probably happening before that lead would be considered an MQL in your CRM, but you don't even know that they exist yet and that they're looking at you. So that's one thing that I think is changing is that the known funnel is flatter, but there's a lot happening that we can't necessarily track anymore, at least that we can't see in our CRM. Back to those beers. Everyone's having beers with their friends, learning about your products. <laughs> and then they're coming to you and saying, Hey, give me that demo. I'm ready now. So it's all, it's all coming together. I just, I love this. So great. Tara, let's talk a little bit more about the acronym, which we have now decided is MQL. Be really pedantic about it. So MQL, marketing qualified, as we've said, as you've said, but what is marketing's actual responsibility to sales in this case, in your own opinion? Yeah, I think, again, going back to that definition of it's marketing deciding what a qualified lead looks like, I think that's kind of where some marketers went wrong here is they didn't talk to the people that actually have to call these leads, which is your sales team. So a lot of marketers assume, hey, if we hit our MQL target of, say, it's 100 MQLs a month, pass those over to sales, we're kind of done for that month, wash our hands, move on to the next month, and then we up our target month over month. And currently a lot of teams are, at least that I've spoken to, are incentivized on that MQL number and not further down the funnel on say booked meetings, op creation, even pipeline. So I really think that you get what you incentivize. So if you incentivize your marketing team to bring in whatever your definition of an MQL is, they'll go do that. And that doesn't always work out well when it comes down to revenue and pipeline. How have you seen the approach to MQLs and the prospect lifecycle generally changing. I mean, we talked a little bit about dark funnel. You can talk about how you feel about that term. I feel like it makes it sound way more mysterious than it really is. But um, how have you seen that change over the last few years? And how has like your approach changed as a marketer at, as you're watching what's happening? Um, you know, with people getting a lot more information, not directly from content marketing. I think the biggest change, at least on my end, is just seeing way less gated content on pretty much every channel, especially paid social, but everywhere, I think you could say there's way less. Even just a couple of years ago, I know I was on the side of let's gate everything and so that we can track who's looking at our content. And that was the most important thing to us as a marketing team. But again, I don't think that if someone is, in, is not in buying mode today, that filling out a form, getting a couple of emails from you is gonna change their mind. They're, go, they're in that dark funnel space of, Again, grabbing beers with their friends, talking about your products and getting a nurture email from you is not going to change that. So you really have to find a way to either be in those spaces with them as kind of a peer or maybe a thought leader in that space, or just figure out the best way to get them onto your site some other way. And that's really where I think ungated content is really coming ahead on things like paid social. You're just getting your content in front of much more people than gating it and kind of hiding that content behind a form. So offer free beer, right? Is that what we're... No, yeah, exactly. Not what we're <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, so we've talked a lot on this podcast about the funnel in a couple of different episodes. Lead lifecycle has come up a few times. Sales and marketing alignment is has been a topic 
uh, as well. And all of these things have touched various topics. So clearly defining what leads are ready to be worked by sales is a, is a big part of that. Um, how should an organization evaluate how well their M MQL criteria is working? And what should they do if they discover it actually isn't working? I think the first place to start is just looking at what you consider an MQL today and just running that by your sales team and try not to just run it by a sales leadership, but actual reps that have to make those phone calls because sometimes they can have a very different opinion. Um, and sometimes the sales leadership will say, yeah, that, that sounds fine. We've used this criteria in a past role. But then when you talk to the reps, they'll say, oh, these leads are crap. They don't want to talk to us. They're not ready. Why are you wasting my time? So I think just moving past defining that in a silo and deciding what does sales need and how can we bring these type of leads in? So bringing sales in just as soon as you can. If you already have MQL criteria and you're trying to look at what's working, that's where I would look at something like an SLA. So if you can see, hey, we're holding up our end of the bargain. We told you that we would bring in X number of leads, this type of lead, what's going on on the follow-up and what can we do to dig into that? And the other thing is really looking at your speed to lead. So when an MQL does come, if say they're a hand raiser, being able to figure out how long it takes for sales to make contact can be an indicator of these people weren't really serious if they weren't getting back to us, or maybe for whatever reason, sales just isn't prioritizing inbound leads. So taking a look at those two things. And then lastly, just looking at MQLs that aren't being touched at all. Usually that's a big red flag that something's off. Maybe it's like a certain channel that you're running. Maybe your Facebook ads are just... You don't have the targeting right. So different ways that you can take a look at that. Yeah, sales learns really quickly, like what turns into opportunities and what doesn't. So I think a lot of that advice is just like, listen to them, um, mm -hmm. which has been an overarching theme here on Must Contain. Like you should probably, can I get a drum roll, please? You should probably talk to the sales team, right? Um, so let's say you've done all that. You've, you feel like that, you know, you put forward a really good plan, a really good, really good criteria for MQLs. You got buy-in both from sales leadership and individual sales reps. What do you do if at that point, they're still just not working your lead. So you're not getting any information back as to the quality of those MQLs. Yeah. I think it's easier said than done. Right. I mean, everybody can say, talk to customers, talk to sales, but you have a lot of other things <laughs> to do. And sometimes it's tough to carve out that time. If you feel like it's not going to be a productive conversation. One thing that I tried in a past role that we found super useful is we actually sent out a survey every Friday to our inbound reps and it went to the whole team. And we basically just, I think it was only around three questions. So it was super quick. And we just asked them, how did the leads compare to the leads you got last week? what were the best sources and what were the worst sources? And just keeping it super brief meant that they could respond in literally a minute. And another thing to think about is a lot of the time inbound reps are very junior. So they might not be comfortable telling you how it's going. So they might be telling their managers, but they might not tell you. So doing a survey or something where they can get feedback to you without having to have that tough conversation could be a safe space for them to kind of air that out. And it helps you with that feedback that you might not have gotten directly from them. So we're all talking with each other and we've all agreed that good quality leads are what we need and sales is agreed that we're defining them correctly. And now they're not working and you're trying to talk to people to understand what's going on, uh, which can obviously take some time and you might not get the right kind of feedback. 
So what are some of the kind of quantitative reports that you can build and use to you know, work with sales, to talk with them, to demonstrate that marketing is generating quality leads and that those leads are turning into revenue. If they would just give it a chance, we could all agree that this is going to be successful. Yeah. So the easiest metric to look at is just conversion. So how many of the leads that marketing is bringing in are turning into actual opportunities. So some companies define this differently. Maybe it's SQO, sales qualified, sales accepted. We actually have a life cycle stage called QHM, which is quality held meeting. So we look at that metric versus MQL to define if we're hitting our targets. And that's basically just defining, okay, the meeting happened and the rep qualified the lead. So there is something here. So whatever that metric is for you, look at the conversion of leads you're bringing in to that metric. Other thing is obviously pipeline. So try to compare the pipeline that you're bringing in on the marketing side to sales. And if you can look at it by channel and source and see where the biggest ops are coming from. And then you can also start looking at conversion to closed one, closed lost. Maybe you have certain channels that are bringing in a ton of leads, but they're closing lost for the same reason. You can dig into that. But that is a little bit where things can start to get out of marketing's control because you can only do so much in terms of closing and ops. So I would really focus higher up on pipeline and op conversion. With that, we are going to wrap with the three things you need to know about the 2022 definition of MQLs. First, uh, your company's definition of what an MQL is needs to be agreed upon by sales and marketing, and the sales marketing handoff points need to be co-created by both teams. It won't work otherwise, and you'll have sales ignoring your leads and arguing with you about credit. Ask for feedback directly from the sales team. Things will change as your business does, and surveying your sales team, like Tara mentioned, is a concrete way you can determine their happiness with your MQL criteria. Second, there is a difference between hand-raised MQLs and intent-based MQLs, and you probably want to ensure that you can measure which type of MQL is which in order to better determine criteria for your intent-based MQLs, which will have more stringent criteria than just somebody who sticks up their hand and says, I do want to talk to sales. Third, if you lead a marketing team, please don't incentivize them on MQLs. It just encourages bad behavior. Incentivize revenue creation and encourage that marketing and sales partnership. That way you're truly looking for buy-ready folks that are filling out forms and coming to your site. And your team is focused on bringing in more of those folks versus just form fills to hit an MQL target. That's must contain MQL. Thank you, Tara, for joining us. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would just say, I know it's a lot of this, like I said, is easier said than done. So if your marketing team is still incentivized to bring in MQLs and you're not really digging further into the funnel, I would really try to take a step back and ask why. So is there a certain target your sales team is trying to hit and how can you best serve them as a marketing team? It might be a little bit painful to have these conversations at first, but I promise in the long run, you and your sales team will be better off. And thank you, Tara, again. And that's Must Contain. We'll be back in two weeks with another great MOPS topic. But until then, remember, you can't just call every content download an MQL, no matter what the CMO says this quarter's goals are. This episode was produced by Kristen Crow, Kristen Caridio, Ali Stoltzfus, and Lindsay Walter. It was edited by Kristen Crow. Theme music by Rusty Hall. Special thanks to Tara Robertson. And that's Must Contain. I'm Kristen Crow, and we'll see you in two weeks.